ladies and gentlemen, beauties and bimfluencers. Welcome to episode 92 of A Thompson and Other Disappointments, a twice-weekly show in which I delve into the cruel and crushing worlds of politics, academia, tech, and uh, let's be honest, eye-soiling dystopia. Um, I, I, I sometimes feel this show is like, like it's, it's USP is sort of, you know, bringing you down. Uh, you know, for the sake of familiarity, if that makes sense. Like, you know how, you know how some people are traumatized by shit men, but then they grow up and they're attracted to shit men because that's what they're familiar with. You know, like, like I can handle this. This feels like home to me, you know, like that sort of tra- like th- this podcast podcast is like that. It, it's like we all know how fucked we are. We all sob at the news in despair. So then when you're looking for an like uplifting bit of entertainment, then I swan in with this shit, like, look how fucked everything is. It's awful. And then you're like, yeah, okay, you know, this is my jam. I like this. This feels this feels like home. Like normally you'd go to a comedy show to feel uplifted and improve your mood. I feel like my shows, you know, you grab an episode and you enter it in a sort of crestfallen downbeat mood and then you emerge you know 40 minutes or an hour later like like, <laughs> you know, like vaguely entertained but with all of your fears and nightmares kind of backed up you know realized like shit the oil is gonna run out like <laughs> you know like um uh, or, or like oh fuck there is no way that we could ever build enough nuclear power plants to replace fossil fuels we really are fucked you know like come out of it just crack open a bottle of gin that's the sort of vibe that I'm going for. At least, you know, that's that's my aim is to spread my good news unto the world uh, with this podcast. Um, but but seriously, if it's your first time listening to this podcast, uh, it is run by a guy who spends his life on Twitter and TikTok, uh, but miraculously does not fall into that faux positive inspiring influencer bucket, you know, but who instead forces you to look at the muck of the modern world. You know, it's like the opposite of inspiring. It's, um, you know, I, it, like I hope to get some doom lords out of it along the way here and there. Uh, hence the tag, like rather than influencers, it's hashtag binfluencers. Um, and look, before we jump into it, uh, special cordial sensual embraces to the Patreon backers, Kerry, Paul and now Sarah. Um, I set myself a first Patreon goal last week to get to 10 Patreons. And then when, when we reach that, when we've built out our little, uh, I don't want to say commune, commune's the wrong word, word. I'm, I'm going to go for cult still. When we've built out the first, like the entry stages, the first tier of the cult, then, um, then we'll have a night out in London. And I guess like what would be a meet and greet for actual influencers, uh, you know, that doesn't feel right for me. You know, I don't want to do a fucking meet and greet. Nobody wants to meet and greet me and have me like nodding at them or like autographing fucking nonsense like that. That's just not me. Uh, so for me, I think like a, a smarter thing, a more kind of on brand thing would just be to get the first 10 Patreons and give them an exclusive invite to a night out in London where we're just, you know, it's not so much a meet up. It's like a piss up and we'll just talk shit about the Tories. Um, so if that's of interest to you, then jump on the Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson. And if you're not familiar with Patreon, basically it's a way that 
independent artists or content generators or podcasts or singers like you can support people on patreon and because it's really fucking hard to make money doing creative stuff you can support the people that you do appreciate i guess that's the you know that's the pitch guys um and anyway as i say so the the goal was 10 and the first three of those have gone now so um again thank you to uh, kerry paul and now sarah who jumped on it yesterday uh, I love and value your support more than that of some dead relatives. Relatives who were not supportive. But you're in the ground now, Grandma, so I win. Um, let me talk about this episode, right? So this episode I'm doing for you now is a weird one for me because I had a guest booked for tonight. I normally do a guest on a, a Friday night, half past seven, and then I do the solo shows on a Wednesday. And I booked a guest. His name's Dominic Mignella. And he's actually quite a sort of, you know, I don't want to say famous because I don't know how many people would actually know his name or recognise him in the street. But he's a very well-known and highly respected uh, television producer. And he's written for shows like uh, Hamish Macbeth, with, like, had Robert Carlyle in it, and uh, Robin Hood's on BBC One. And uh, his most famous show, though, is the ITV long-running comedy drama Doc Martin, uh, starring Martin Clunes. And Dominic Mignella, like, the reason that he and I, like, our paths crossed and I was able to get him to agree to appear on the podcast is because he does a lot of political stuff as well. And so our paths crossed on Twitter and then we're in this chat group and I thought, do you know what, I could get him on and we could talk about politics and, you know, some of the causes that he gets behind um, and we could, you know, just basically, you know, do my thing, talk shit about Tories, right? Um, so he graciously, uh, agreed to appear on the podcast and we actually did it. Like we pre-recorded it yesterday because my girlfriend is away, uh, like last night and tonight. So I thought I'll pre-record one. It works for me and Dominic in our diaries. This is smart. Dominic Mignella locked in. Boom. So we start the Skype call. Like that's how I start. That's how I do my recording stuff is through Skype and then through some podcast software. It's all sort of integrated. And sort of about five minutes into this, I'm noticing these little alerts going off in the bottom left of the software, like saying something about a codec, something about encoding, or like, you know, warning me. But I always get these these fucking warnings. And it never, like, it always turns out okay. So I just assumed, oh, it's just a fucking software. Like, it's open source. It's free software. It's probably a bit buggy. When they tell you that there's errors or to look out for something, like, do you really have to? Because it seems okay. So, you know, so I just carried on. And then it was about sort of halfway in, I noticed that his microphone was dropping out loads. Like, I couldn't see the level, like the audio level coming in much. I was like, what the fuck? Because I could hear him fine. So I was like, what's well, yeah, it's probably all right. It's probably probably just my laptop, like CPU, just like I'm still not sort of collecting it. I'm still to me, it's like, oh, there's these little warnings. Uh, yeah, it's probably nothing. And then, you know, his microphone levels disappearing and I'm like, yeah, it's probably fine. And um, anyway, long story short, I listened to it back and my worst nightmare had come true. Like I'd, I'd been saying to friends about this, like I've just got this horrible feeling, I'm gonna book someone that's quite high profile and then the tech will just give out, like there'll be some sort of problem and I would have wasted their time and they could have been like my in, you know, to, to other guests or to, you know, God knows what, like I'd, yeah, I'd, 
I sort of dread to think at this stage, who is Dominic Mignella connected to? You know, who might he have given me a, you know, a, an in, an introduction to had this gone really well? And he was like, you know, sat around a dinner table with producers and, you know, oh, yeah, I know, I know this one guy who runs a podcast. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, you should check him out. Like, whereas now, how is that conversation going to go? It's going to be like, well, yeah, I did do his podcast one time. But, yes, yeah, you know, the tech didn't. He just sort of wasted an hour of my time, you know. But he was really, he was, you know, uh, totally understanding. I was really grovelly to him this morning. I was like, I'm so sorry I wasted your time. Uh, but it's, just, you know, hopefully with the amount of work you've done and the career that you've had, you you must have had your fair share of like of tech problems, you know, sort of really leaning on the possibility that somebody as professional and accomplished as Dominic Mignella must have had a couple of fuck ups along the way somewhere. Like you, you probably fucked up once or twice, haven't you? It's like, yeah, it happens all the time. Don't worry about it. Like he was so cool and nice. Um, and I think I've said this before in like other episodes, but it kind of comes back to like, like this is an independent podcast, right? And the the good thing about that, the pro to that, is like you get to tell people, oh, it's totally independent, you know, it's not corporate, it's it's pretty punk rock, it's pretty cool actually, it's quite edgy, done it with no industry backing, like all of these cliches that you could roll out, sound quite cool, don't they? I've done it with no industry backing. It's it's 100% independent. Did I tell you that it's independent? Because it's actually really independent. Like, these are nice things to be able to tell people when you're trying to grow something on your own. That's the pros. But then the cons to it is like, yeah, it's not corporate at all. So there's no fucking budget. <laughs> it's like, like, there's no budget. There's no, it's just like, you know, I'm I'm just a guy in a shed with some cheap tech praying that it all just holds itself together for like an hour on a Friday night when I interview someone. And uh, to be honest, like for, you know, 99% of the time it's been fine. But just this one time and I've been telling people, been saying to like friends and stuff like, uh, you know, I just got this feeling like that it's at some point I'm going to embarrass myself. I'm going to book someone and it's not going to pan out and they're going to think I'm a twat and, you know, I can't really rule out that I wasn't, you know, hacked. I wasn't hacked by, like, the Russian internet research agency. Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe I'll start that rumour. They always get good press. It wasn't... (laughs) It wasn't that I'm a tin pot, independent podcast guy in a rickety shed with the unreliable cheap tech that can't afford a producer. It's definitely that Russians hacked Aid Thompson's podcast. Scandal, fear, terror, Putin, more fear, more publicity. Like, it could be funny. Like, if that shit gets picked up by enough clueless boomer hacks, I'll fuck around and end up verified, you know? Kremlin hacked AIDS show and rendered it useless. And then they're like, you know, their comment section will be like, like, why, why did they bother? You know, like, why bother hacking his show, rendering it shit? Like, why bother with all the computer science degrees and government funding to achieve that which was already so? Like, 
we're going to hack his podcast and make it shit. Oh, really? I wonder what that'll be like. <laughs> I mean, I'm all for setting yourself achievable goals. But honestly, making my podcast shit feels a bit like, you know, phoning it in. I don't know. In terms of getting verified, though, like there's something so fucked about how you need to be referenced in prominent publications, prominent news outlets, tabloids, right? You get a blue tick if Twitter can see that you've been referenced in, say, the Mail Online or the Sun. And yet, how reliable or verified are those publications or their stories? You know, they're about as reliable as a fucking Tory party Facebook election ad. You know, infamously unreliable, constantly hung out to dry for lying and corrections and sued for misrepresentation. And and yet they're the guys that Twitter are like, oh, you, you've been mentioned in the mail. Oh, yeah, you, you, you're legit. Reminds me actually of um, uh, like I was <laughs> I was trying to uh, to dob myself in with the Express and the Mail. It's sort of quite a funny campaign. I kind of half-assed, didn't even really start. It's about I don't know eight weeks ago, twelve weeks ago. Like the idea was to sort of snitch on myself, tagging them in my tweets. You know, like at Express, at Mail Online, and. Uh, and I would say shit like, you know, Twitter say I need to be referenced in three prominent publications to get verified. So, hey, like at Daily Mail, hey, like Express, my dad worked at the BBC. I voted Remain and I think Brexiters fuck livestock. So fucking do your worst, you know, like take the hit piece just to be referenced one step closer to that blue tick. Maybe I should pick that up again. Or maybe not. I don't know, you know. I'll fuck around and get like a five page expose in the Express. Their political editor, Mesa Hall, dragging my name through the mud. <laughs> Have my, like my employer, my friends, my family know my drug history. And they'll have like anonymous sources talking about how I was gacked out of my face on coke, talking nonsense at 4 a.m., like rapping freestyles about God knows what in who knows whose kitchen, like trash my reputation, end up jobless and homeless. And my girlfriend would be like, like, where the, where the fuck are we going to live? Like, how are we going to eat? And I'll be like, no, no, it's cool. Look, just one more cunty article and I'll have a blue tick. <laughs> I'm almost there. Stick with me. She'll be like, yeah, you, you chase your blue tick. I'm going to chase some new dick. How about that? You know, the fuck out of it. Anyway, in, um, in other news, uh, I'm not even sure, like, how did I even get onto all of that? Uh, let's talk about the weather. That's a, that, that feels like a very British thing to do. It's been so hot today, like uncomfortably hot. And, uh, and I say that as a guy who, you know, I love hot weather. I'm definitely not one of these people that's like, no, nah, nah, you know, I like winter. I, I just like winter, you know, I just like, or, or like one of these people who's like, um, uh, no, it's, oh, it's too hot now, isn't it? Oh, this is just too hot. Like, fuck that. I like hot weather. I never understand people who are like, well, I just like winter. You know, I like the snow and the winter and the cold when it's cold outside and you're in the pub. 
and you're cosy with your mates around you with a glass of wine and a Guinness. And it's like, I always feel like, no, no, oh, so, so you like the pub. That's what you like. That's what you're describing to me. Who doesn't like the pub? Like, for me, my natural habitat, I think, is, uh, you know, comfortably 30 degrees. I think that's fine. Wait, I'm going to stop. I'm going to grab a beer, guys. The sound that you can hear is the real, authentic sound of an exhausted father of two grabbing a fucking beer. Uh, Don't judge me. Where were we? We were talking about the weather, right? So it's been 30 degrees. This This is the sound that you're waiting for. Here we go. There we go. This is such a nutty country when the temperature goes over 20, which if you're listening in the US or there, you know, if you work from Fahrenheit, what is 20 in Fahrenheit? It's about 68, 70, some, somewhere around that. When it goes above 20 in the UK, people go fucking nuts. Like we, because we spend like 10 months of the year at like nine degrees, rainy and overcast. It's just shit weather like all the time or the majority of the time, right? I think that's why we're so self-deprecating and miserable and cynical. You know, it's like, what's it called? Fucking um, seasonal affective disorder, isn't it? Sad. Seasonal affective disorder. Like, it's sunny, so you're happy. And then if it's cold and rainy, then you get down. But it could also be like, 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 here's a theory. Do you think... Do you think Brits are kind of miserable because the weather pushes us into shit relationships? Do you think that's what it is? Like, I'll explain. Like, the weather pushes us into shit relationships with people that we actually wouldn't really normally have any interest in. Like, like it's so cold and shit for, like, most of the time. I reckon most Brits could go out on three or four dates. Pretty normal, right? And they socially like each other. And maybe the woman is like, well, he's got a handsome face. He looks quite cute. He's quite, yeah, he's quite handsome. He's quite good looking. But then date four, you go back to his place. <laughs> you take off your clothes and you're like, you're in good shape. But then you look at your date who you've only really seen his face because he's, you know, wrapped up warm, like it's fucking cold and miserable and rainy the whole time. <laughs> but like date four, date four, sorry. By the time you get back to his place and you take off your clothes, you're all right. And you look at him, you're like, oh, no. But now you're in too deep. Now you're locked into fucking seeing each other. You can't, like, be that heartless and uncaring where you're like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought, yeah, I thought that you were not this that I'm seeing in front of me. So you end up in a shit relationship with somebody that you, yeah, maybe I'll grow to love him. <laughs> you know, and it just it just makes you a bit down. I don't know. Maybe there's something in that. Does anyone else think it's nuts how nuts we go, though? Like in hot weather. 20 degrees, lunacy, no control. People get fucking shit hammered in public parks and fight each other. People shove fireworks up their ass and end up in the tabloids. And then we get like, like today I walked past the newsstand at the 24 hour garage. I was doing like my usual morning walk around, get a coffee, that sort of vibe. And... This like a front front page of the star was like a warning about the hot weather. Like, make sure you drink lots of water today. It's it's a really hot day. So the news headline, the front page, the most important news that we can give you right now is that you you gotta drink some water. Like I'm 40 fucking one years old. Like, what is this? It, this is the news, is it really? 
you've got to drink water on a hot day, guys. Really, buckle in. This is a, like I've seen a hot day before. I know it's England, but Christ. We're pretty much like we're the only country in the world who would vote for global warming. Like, the, like the, if somebody like Nigel Farage came out with like the pro global warming party or something like I dread to think it is terrifying to me to think how successful that would be. You'd get floating voters who are just sick of shit weather who'd be like, well, you know, let's hear him out. You know, <laughs> the whole campaign would just be like a guy spraying aerosols up at the sky. You know, do you remember the whole like what were they called? Was it CS? Gas it like old. I'm showing my age here, but like back in the day in the 90s, there was a big thing about the ozone layer. Right. And that these aerosol cans had chemicals in them that when you spray them, it ends up in the ozone layer and creates a hole or burns. There was something about, you know, I'm not a scientist. Go fuck yourselves. I don't like I don't know the, the intricacies of the science, but it was something to do with like a specific thing in aerosol cans. And if Farage created a party like that, where the whole campaign was just a guy spraying aerosol cans into the ozone layer to burn it away to make this country hotter, I think it would be ferociously successful. People would be like, yes, this guy gets it. He, yeah, he, re he represents my interests. I'm fed up of rainy August holidays in Bogner. Give me six weeks of 30 degree heat. Please, like they would they would vote for that. You get like Tory coalition talk. Like, well, we're going to have to make a fucking pact with the global warming party. And it, like, I don't like it either. But, you know, they've 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 chunked off like 15 percent of our vote. <laughs> what, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. OK, look, we're willing to entertain actually sending rockets up and deliberately burning through ozone. Like that's yeah, there's there's an electoral market for it. We're going to have to address it. What else has been in the news this week? Uh, lots more flights at Gatwick, loads of cancellations. Everyone feels like they're owed a holiday at the moment. Um, we're booked up, full disclosure. We're going to Thailand for our first holiday in fucking years. Um, although, I don't know if there's any dads listening, but I think my brother put it best when he said, like, uh, a father on holiday is really no holiday at all. <laughs> so kind of brutal uh a, a, a father on holiday is really no holiday at all like it's you know i'm looking forward to it. i'm looking forward to the sun and the beach and the cocktails and you know spending time with the family and actually being away from where we live and but it's yeah i've got a horrible feeling i'm going to end up shouting at my kids and telling them to stay away from the pool and you know it's 18 month old i don't want to be that guy that Ends up in a really dark news story. Dr like toddlers drowning in foreign pool and like all that stuff. I've just got this horrible feeling that I, like, I'm going to be so stressed chasing after my kids. And then you really are in the realm of like, is, is this even a holiday? Am I having fun? <laughs> you know? But yeah, so flight's gone at Gatwick. And I saw an interview today uh, or a, th a thing on Sky News where they were saying 18 months, they reckon. 18 months, a year and a half, they think, to fill the staffing gap that they have at Gatwick. Like, how fucking crazy is that? How many people are they short? <laughs> 18 months to fill the, like, the backfill of staff that they need or that they lock. Like, who's even advising that number? 
Like, can't they get the guys from the analysis and media teams to load some fucking bags on? You know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to belittle the work that baggage handlers do here, but come on. I mean, like, people are desperate to earn money at the moment. Cost of living crisis. You're telling me you couldn't find 500 new staff and teach them how to properly leave a dent in my case? Because it doesn't seem that hard <laughs> to me. It seems like they've fucking smashed that target several times in my life before. Seems like something that could actually be solved. You could backfill all of these jobs, I reckon, in my hugely unqualified opinion, by raising the rate like two pounds an hour. Like increase the rate that you're paying the baggage handlers, the vacancies, two pounds an hour. And just see then if there's, you know, if there's still the same problems recruiting. Because that's, I swear that's half the problem with challenges like this one. Like you get heads of industries and CEOs and CFOs doing everything they can to avoid saying the obvious, whether that's like, you know, Brexit, you know, the initial staff shortage, like to avoid saying shit like, uh, well, all of our staff were from Europe. And then when the pandemic hit, they went home and now they don't have freedom of movement. So they're kind of fucked. They, don't, they, they can't come back. <laughs> but they can't say that because, I don't know, either they're a donor or they're affiliated with the Conservative Party or, or they don't want to be mauled by the press. So instead of accepting and communicating the truth, they just have to shrug and say shit like, well, there's a, there's a weird labour shortage. It's just come out of nowhere. <laughs> like, is there? Really? I'm pretty sure there's a million people unemployed in this country. I'm pretty sure people are still working the gig economy, driving Ubers and Deliveroo and Amazon deliveries. And, you know, they'd probably jump at the chance at some steady airport work, five shifts a week, guaranteed, sick pay, discount meals, access to duty free, maybe some cheap flights, a grace and favour flat. No, wait, hang on. No, maybe not that last one. That is exclusively a Tory government <laughs> fringe benefit. But if you listed all the other stuff, you know, the duty free, the five shifts a week, guaranteed, the sick pay, the holiday pay, like, you know, people in the gig economy might say, like, oh, you know, that's that sounds pretty good. And then you have to say, yeah, but the wage is uh, 10 pounds an hour. You're like, oh, I'm sorry, what? It's, it's what? Yeah, it's uh, 10 pounds an hour. Oh, and then you get taxed, which has uh, just been raised as well. And then you've got to uh, drive in and out. And that's, uh, you know, cost of petrol. Sorry. To oh, well, fuck that. I'm sorry, it's a, you know, it's a steady job. I thought you'd be interested. Yeah, but, you know, I could take McDonald's breakfast to people and work when I like and it'll come out the fucking same, like £10 an hour. The fuck is this nonsense? You know, like, I really feel like they try everything except paying enough to attract people. Like, they're so, it's so innate. They just, oh, I just can't quite bring myself to pay people what the market is telling me I definitely need to pay people. Like, oh, just... Don't feel quite that desperate yet. So I will cancel these flights and ruin these thousands of people's holidays. I will drag the name of this airline through the mud. You know, it's not quite not quite bad enough yet for me to be forced to pay these people what the market is telling me I definitely should be paying them. It's like. Like, how many times have you seen, like, CEOs and CFOs say shit like, oh, there's a, there's a labour shortage? Like, is the, like, how much are you paying? Well, it's uh, £3.59 for a whole day's work. <laughs> £3.59, is that it? No, no, and then they get physically beaten as well. You know, we've, we physically beat all of our staff and pay them one shiny penny a day, but 
Honestly, it's been really hard to recruit. It's like nobody wants to work anymore. I bet they're all at home in their pyjamas, I reckon. Bloody work-from-home romaniac lefty tossers, all of them, you know? Like, does anyone seriously think there'd be a shortage of baggage handlers if they started paying £20 an hour? Like, maybe that's just how much that job costs now. To drive in and out of the airport to, you know, do whatever it is that they do all day drive back home out to the home counties wherever they live you know maybe that job just has to pay 20 pounds an hour and if they paid that no of course there wouldn't be a labor shortage you'd have a fully staffed airport smiling men and women at the check-in for for 25 pounds an hour the best airport staff money can buy the best customer service you can possibly imagine you get people going like, good morning, uh, Mr. Thompson. Uh, how may I help you this morning? You, are you all set for your flight? Can I get you anything? Uh, tea, coffee, blowjob? I could dance for you. Shall I? I'll dance for you. Here, here, here we go. You know, like if they paid enough. But it's so weird, isn't it? Because it's like, yeah, we just can't find the staff. There's a, a huge labor shortage. You know, like, well, if you paid enough, that would help your business. That would help it run. More people would use it. You would make more money. And you personally would be more successful. You may even get a fatter bonus at the end of it. And still, they're like, nah. Like, that's how deep the classist hate runs. <laughs> you know, like, like, even when it's in their own psychopathic interest, it's like, well... Oh. You know, I like money. I like getting a big bonus. I like status and being a success. I, I like all that, but I really like seeing poor people struggle. It's so sort of innate. Bizarre. What else is happening this week? In the United States, guys, uh, it is all eyes on this fucking January the 6th house investigation. I don't know how many of you have been following this or um, or what, but uh, wait, quick, uh, quick sip of beer. If you if you're unaware of this, cast your mind back to January the 6th, 2020. And recall that weird day when Dixie flag waving Yanks stormed the Capitol building, Washington, D.C., uh, and there was that whole stop the steal movement, which was hilarious in itself because you know, from memory now, I, I remember as they were counting the results, counting them in. Like, which state was it now? It was, um, God, I can't fucking remember. It was somewhere that the Republicans and, and Trump specifically had tried to fuck over. And I remember reading about groups hanging around outside polling stations and sort of, you know, voter intimidation. And then there was a demonization of, like, mail-in ballots, you know, posted ballots. Um but that sort of that voter in intimidation and the mail-in ballots uh, thing, that they caused two things to happen, uh, respectfully, respectively. I'm losing my words now. Uh, it's been a long week. Um, but the first thing that, that happened was people stayed home because they didn't want to be intimidated. They didn't want to go to a polling station and have a load of fucking cowboy hat wearing Dixieland cross gun toting cunts go like, who you're voting for? I hope you go and make the right decision in there. So, you know, like they didn't want that shit. Uh, and the second thing that happened was that, like, because Trump and his lot had demonized the postal ballot thing, then Republicans kind of didn't want to vote by postal 
ballot, you know? Like, that's not their thing. They're all about queuing in line and, you know, doing it, quote-unquote, the proper way. And so then, as the results came in, it was kind of neck and neck, I think, from memory, when they were counting the queued-up, like, uh, polling station votes. That was kind of neck and neck, I think, from memory. Uh, And then what happened was then they started counting the postal ballots, and because the postal ballots were so weighted in favour of the Democrats for the reasons that I've outlined, then Trump was like, whoa, like, hang on, like, what, 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 how, you know, like, and I guess people at CNN and NBC and Washington Post and so on had all been born with eyeballs because they were able to see what a total fucking joke this was. Like, you fucking idiot, like, you you demonise the mail ballots, so of course they're going to swing left. Democrats are going to use the postal ballots and your guys were going to use the, you know, like, how, how do you not understand? Like, what did you expect? And as ever, it became an exercise in, you know, is he really this stupid? Or is he hoping his followers are? And I'd hedge is the latter. Like, he's hoping his followers are that stupid. Trump doesn't really strike me as a sort of Machiavellian genius. You know, he strikes me more as a, a moody crimson baby that blames everyone else for his failures, of which this was one, and arguably his biggest and most humiliating. Uh, And so the the January the 6th investigation has heard from a bunch of people, loads of testimony, uh, talking about what happened and uh, to what extent Donald Trump himself was involved and to what extent you could categorise this as, uh, you know, not just as, as we see it, but because we sort of see it as a sort of dumb Yankee parade that got a bit deathy, right? But more like, you know, to what extent could you categorise this as, as an attempted coup? That's what this House investigation is looking at. And and last week we had Trump's own daughter, Ivanka Trump. Am I saying that right? Ivanka? Ivanka? And she's up there stating that she doesn't believe that the election was stolen. Like, wow. Like, you know, Trump's own daughter saying, no, this wasn't stolen. Biden won it. You know, like basically talking shit (laughs) about her own dad. And then there's plenty of others giving quite damning testimony also. Like Sky are reporting that some of Trump's closest advisers thought the attempt to overturn the election was crazy. (laughs) That's the quote. His closest advisers were like, oh, this is a kind of batshit. Like... I like the idea that they were still his advisors on January the 6th. But that's like after all the other batshit stuff that he'd done. <laughs> you know, like they should have built up some sort of understanding of who they would do. You know, on January the 6th, after trying to hoard the world supply of vaccines. Do you remember that when he phoned up the guy in Germany and he was like, oh, yeah, America first. Like, I want to buy up all of your stock for America only and the intellectual. Pro- Do you remember that was fucking crazy? And then committing to the gigantic wall and making Mexico pay for it and busting geopolitical alliances with people like Theresa May and Angela Merkel and calling African countries shitholes and stoking nuclear war with North Korea. Like, I like the idea that on January the 6th, after all of that, like his advisors are like, Donald's acting a bit funny, <laughs> like a bit, a bit out of character, uh, you know? Yeah, we should keep an eye on him in case he carries on being crazy, you know? It's just... So Sky is saying that there was, you know, some lady called uh, Sarah Matthews, 
who's a Trump or who, who was a Trump White House staffer. And she's described one of Trump's tweets around that time as like pouring gasoline on the fire of these ongoing riots outside. And there's some other crazy shit that's coming out. Um, Mike Pence, who you'll recall was Trump's vice president. Uh, he apparently went tit for tat with Donald Trump. And we, you know, we we have this idea, don't we, through news and through inaction and people not taking a stand publicly, that everyone's just a patsy for Trump. Everyone's just a lapdog. Nobody will actually speak up against him. And the ones that do are then sort of reprimanded and ostracized by the rest of the Republican Party. And, and so we get this idea that nobody actually ever stands up to him. But this story about Mike Pence, you know, lambasting him, he's like... You don't have the authority to stop the vote being certified in Congress. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, apparently this is this exchange happened. Um, so, you know, I never thought I'd say this sentence, but fair play to Mike Pence. Uh, and there's also some other there's some other weird stuff that's come out um, or rather been mentioned or acknowledged in the official setting that we kind of knew already. You know, we knew about like the hang Mike Pence protests uh, with the effigy of Mike Pence being strung up and the gallows. Like, it's so crazy. Just utterly wild behaviour. Just, like, flag-waving lunatics. Radicalised lunatics. Who, if you spoke to them 10 years ago, 15 years ago, do you think you'll ever storm the Capitol and wave a Dixieland cross and talk about hanging a vice president? Like, what? No. <laughs> Why would I do that? Like, well... Let me fast forward you 15 years. Take a look at this guy. This is you, bro. Like, they'd be so weirded out. Like, oh, my God. What happened to me? I think I talked about that on the Wednesday show. Sorry for the uh, the repetition. You deserve more distance. Um, but these guys who were talking about, like, hanging Mike Pence, I guess we need to take it with a pinch of salt. They might not have been serious, but in the setting where six people died and... The uh, legacy president, Donald Trump, was talking about, you know, stop the steal and we don't quit. We won't concede and all that. Like, it's kind of terrifying. And they got up to apparently within 50 feet of where Pence was sheltering with his staff, scared. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they could have found him and done like, you know, God knows what to him. And it's a bit like, for what? Like, for standing up to Trump and refusing to violate an election result. Like, it's so strange, isn't it, when you think of... Half of these people waving the flags and, you know, gun toting and talking about America and it's the greatest country and freedom. And like America likes to pride itself as like the greatest democracy in the world. And yet these are people who are willing to trash democracy and shit all over the Constitution because they just want their guy to hold on a little bit longer. And so they're willing to shout stuff like, hang my pants, hang my like, it's so strange. And besides that, there's a lot of stuff you could hang Mike Pence for. I can't believe I'm saying this, but like, like why, why hang Mike Pence for standing up to Trump? Like, there's a zillion things. Like, like if you're going to string Mike Pence up, you've got to pick and mix reasons, pick and mix of reasons out there. Like, pick a good one. Like, don't make it some fantasy cosplay freedom nonsense. Like, isn't he hugely homophobic and kind of against gay marriage? <laughs> like long history of being against LGBTQ and glad and so on. Like I remember hearing, I remember hearing a stand-up comedian on a podcast once 
uh, talking about how Pence is actually a closet homosexual. Like, he was sort of joking about it. He was like, you know, what if Mike Pence is actually a closet homosexual? And that's why he's so vehemently opposed to people from those walks of life. And uh, and anyway, the joke was that the comedian was saying, like, you know, nobody chooses whether they're gay or not, right? Nobody chooses, except for Mike Pence, who wakes up every morning and chooses to be straight instead. You know, or something like like he's pretending to be straight this whole time. <laughs> he's the only guy that chooses whether or not he's gay or straight or something. I, like, I don't know. It's not my joke. I've butchered it, clearly. Um, I'm sorry. There's a reason I never made it with stand-up. Clearly, guys. Um, that is it. Sorry to uh, to end so abruptly. Um, I'm back next Wednesday for the solo show. Next Friday, I will hopefully have a guest on once again, once I've sorted out the uh, the technology side of things. Um, don't forget, you can always grab the episodes first. They're always posted first on patreon.com slash aidthompson. Um, and then they go on Spotify and Apple Podcasts three days later. So if you're not in a position to contribute via Patreon and join my cult, um, then don't worry. The podcast will always be free. You just might have to wait a couple of days later because it's it's only fair to give to the people who are contributing towards it uh, the first look. Uh, there's also a political blog that comes out on Sunday morning, sort of satirical, self-satisfied a reflection on the week that's just happened or whatever that takes my fancy. Uh, but all of those blogs and all the historic episodes of the podcast are always up on the Funk-27 website. Thanks again to my guest this time, uh, myself. Um, give me a follow on Twitter. See, this is the stuff that I normally say about the guest. So, um, yeah. Give me a follow on Twitter. If you're not following me already, say hey. Um, it's at Aid Thompson. And, uh, yeah, if you wouldn't mind leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from, that would be just peachy. Thanks once again. I'll catch up with you all soon. Hashtag Bimfluencers. Hashtag Boris Fucks Livestock. We outie.